Hey, this is JJ Matat. I'm the worship pastor at Jubilee, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope it ministers to your heart and allows God to speak right to you. If you would like to know more about our church, visit jfc.org. Enjoy the message. Hi, Jubilee. It's Christmas time. How exciting for us. It's the last message in our series on the Advent, and I'm excited about teaching this. Before I begin, though, I think that most of you know um, it's our great joy with our grandchildren to celebrate different events, and Christmas is no different. So I'm going to make this a conglomerate rather than reveal which grandchild it was. I'll just make it a conglomerate because I think all grandchildren are guilty of this. But ours give us a list, let us know what they want, and then it's our joy to, um, you know, to provide those things for them. Of course, when they give you a list, uh, in their mind, they're just thinking of the toy, they're not thinking what it looks like when it's wrapped. And of course, to them, the bigger is better, right? Small is gotta be a bad present. Big has to be a good present. And they don't really think of the way that that is. So of course, we get all the presents wrapped. They're underneath the tree. We show the grandkids. And one of them is just so disappointed. You can just see the look on his face. He's sad. He's dejected. Like, hey, what's, what's wrong? And he goes, I just thought the presents were going to be bigger. And we got him exactly what he wanted, but because it wasn't bigger when it was wrapped, his whole disappointment was around that. And of course, we laugh about that. He's a kid and we think it's funny. But you know, for many of us, it's the exact same thing. God gives us exactly what we need and exactly what we ask for, but because it doesn't come wrapped the way that we think it should, because the external, the superficial, isn't what we think it is. We often ignore um, the most important thing, which is what's inside. It's what God actually has done for us. And so it's easy to laugh when it's a kid, but man, we do the same thing. I think it's human nature that we get caught up in the superficial of the thing and not realize the value and what's on the inside. And that, in a way, is the Christmas story. So many people are so focused on the grandiose, the big, the noisy, the shiny. And our Christmas story is a baby. It's God who gave up heaven to come to earth, but not as king of kings, as a baby. And oftentimes people look at that and they say, it can't be that I expected it to be so much more. And they miss the value and the preciousness of it because they're looking for the superficial and they don't see the reality of what is actually there. So our Christmas story centers around this idea of what God has given to us and the value that you have to look beyond just the outside of it and just the, the superficiality of it, the, the shininess of it to see the true value, that it's worth more than anything in the world. So we'll begin our stories at sort of two part in Luke's gospel, chapter one and chapter two. And I'll just read it for you. Uh, remember, the advent is to prepare our mind and our heart for Jesus. So as I read, let that affect um, work in your heart and in your mind. So it's Luke chapter one uh, at verse 26, and it's these few verses. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel, appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Now look at this, I mean, this is so real. Confused 
and disturbed. And just like when an angel showed up and spoke to you, instead of going, oh, this is awesome. Let's uh, high five and grab a cup of coffee. You would be confused and you would be disturbed. And this is one of the ways that I know that this gospel that we have is not trying to sell you anything or pull the wool over your eyes. This is a real response from a real person encountering the supernatural. Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. And then the angel, knowing, seeing her fear, speaks the word that God speaks to us over and over and over throughout the gospel. Do not be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. There may not be better words in all of scripture than to hear that. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. And he will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor, King David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. This uh, scripture, man, just so powerful. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin, the angel replied. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and now he is in his sixth month for the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. And in those few verses right there, we have one of the greatest stories of God's love, his revelation and his plan coming into being in our life. So I thought what I would do just to um, unwrap this present, unwrap this event, would be to talk about just these four things um, as sort of a, an invitation, um, a, a, a drawing, something for you to ponder and consider as you move into your Christmas weekend. I wanna talk first about the anxiety that Mary felt. It was huge. Multiple times in this story, if you read all the gospel accounts of this visitation from an archangel, by the way, there are levels of angels and angels are powerful. They are fearsome. They are supernatural. They are mighty. But then you move into the idea of archangels and there are only a few archangels and Gabriel is an archangel. So you've got not just an angel, but you have got a high ranking unbelievably powerful angel who shows up not to wreak havoc, not to, not to bring judgment, but to announce as a messenger. Everything he says is exactly what God tells him to say. He's not ad-libbing or making any of it up. And so the first thing that he speaks to her after the message that God is with you is don't be fearful. She's so full of anxiety. She's so full of like, what can this mean? What is going on? And by the way, Mary is not some accomplished professional uh, who's experienced a lot in life. Most scholars believe that Mary is somewhere between the ages of 13 and 15 years old when this takes place. And people today, we freak out because we're like, what, 13 to 15? How in the world could she be getting married? People didn't live long during that time. The average life expectancy 
for an adult male was between 30 and 35 years old. So you had to start early in order to propagate the species and in order to have a life. So this is a normal thing. But I want you to imagine you at 13, you at 14, you at 15, and the angel of God comes and says, blessed are you, highly favored one, you're going to bear the the Messiah. Imagine this girl without experience and the angst that she's feeling. And I think that's a reality that oftentimes we read the story 2,000 years after it happens. We sing the songs. Uh, So many people have, in a way, deified Mary and caused her to be something that she was never intended to be. The truth of the matter is, this is a young girl without experience who God is visiting, and she is freaking out, for lack of a better word. God's word to her is the same word to all of us in a day and in a time where so many of us are filled with anxiety, filled with fear, filled with the idea of what's going to happen tomorrow. God's word to you is the same as it was to Mary. Don't be afraid, man. Fear not. God is for us and with us and on our side. And God's message is not, hey, I'm out to get you. The truth of the matter is, if he was out to gift you, you wouldn't be here to tell us he's out to get you. God loves you and is for you. And man, it's the same message. I just thought this Christmas time, 2020, We've come through a year that you could use so many words to describe this year, a disappointment, a discouragement. Some of us have had a lot of good things happen, but I think the one thing about this year, without a doubt, all of us could relate to, it's been a year that's had anxiety with it. I know as a pastor, we have dealt with more anxiety with people in our church through counseling, our pastors. I will even say myself, the times this year when I wondered What is the future going to bring? All of our plans and all of our hopes suddenly just like pulled into question. It causes anxiety. And the the way to handle that anxiety is to have God speak to you just like he did to Mary. Fear not. You know, it's one thing when I say it to you, I hope you can believe it, but to have God, God's messenger, literally the Holy Spirit in our case, speak to us, fear not. How powerful is that? The anxiety she felt was huge. The anxiety that we feel today is massive. And multiple times, I believe that God is saying to us, here it is again, don't be afraid. Fear not, I've got the future, it's in my hand. You know that the Bible says he holds us there and that no one can snatch us from his hand. I just think that the message is so critical. So many times we turn Christmas into such a, uh, a commercialization, right? And I get it, presents are cool. Our economy runs on much of this year. Uh, even in the church, December is, it's 25% of most churches' budget. I get that there's a natural part to it, but the message is still the same. God loves us, he's proven it through Jesus, and his message consistently from the beginning to the Bible to the end of it over and over is fear not. You're favored. I love you and I'm with you. So I just wrote, if you are doing any of the notes, if you want the fill in the blanks that we put online, here's my thought when you look at Mary's situation. And I think these two things go hand in hand. You can't be joyful and fearful at the same time. It's impossible to hold these two things in your hand and experience both at the same time. Now I know humans have the capability of experiencing more than one emotion at the same time. 
But the truth is this, you cannot be fearful and you cannot be joyful. You can be fearful, you can be joyful, but you can't be both at the same time. Verse 30 tells the angel speaking to Mary, fear not, fear not. He, he speaks to her to be joyful, full of joy, understanding that God's favor, don't be afraid. God is with you, you found favor. You know, Jesus taught this principle in scripture that a house divided against itself cannot stand. Let's just bring that down to a human being real quickly. A human being divided inside of themselves cannot move forward in life. If you're trying to be fearful and joyful, you're divided and what's going to happen is misery in your life. And I know so many people who love God and have given their hearts to God and yet they find their lives full of fear and they lack joy right now. That should never be said about a believer. We should always be people who are joyful. A house divided can't stand. In Joshua 24, verse 15, Joshua, who's a representation of Jesus, stands before God's people and makes this famous, famous statement, choose life or choose death. In effect, choose joy or choose fear. I think it means this, that joy is a choice, fear is a choice. Yep, it's a reaction initially, right? But long-term, the way you live, it's a choice. We either choose joy or we choose fear. And so many people confuse joy and happiness. Uh, they tend to think that, you know, uh, if, if I'm happy, I'm joyful. I get that the semantics is there, but let me tell you the difference. Happiness is based on happenings. To be happy, you need things to have. You need some happenings to have. You need your wife or your significant other to be, uh, to be okay with you. You need your job to be going well. You, you need to have money in the bank. You need to have, you need some happening to be happy. Joy is not based on a happening. Joy is a choice. It, it's a, a foundation. It's a model for how you live your life so that regardless of what goes on around you, including a pandemic, that seems to never go away, you can still have joy in the middle of a pandemic because joy is a choice, happiness is a happening. We want both, but man, joy is what God promises us. Do you know he doesn't promise happiness? He promises joy and joy is a choice. Just like when Joshua says, choose this day, life or death. The angel says to Mary, Mary, be joyful, choose joy, not fear. And I would say the same thing to you, man, choose joy right now. I think the second thing in this that I wrote down, it's okay to bring your questions to God. Um, bad theology today is that if you have faith, you're not allowed to question anything. Yeah, so, somehow, if we question uh, what God has said or we question what, what we think it's supposed to look like, people have taught, well, that's not faith. If you have faith, you don't question anything. That's, ah, that is so wrong. God is not turned off by your questions. God is willing to answer your questions. The Bible actually says there's an invitation. Come to me and let's work out your salvation. That means ask your questions and let's get answers to those things. So let me prove this to you, that God is not afraid of your questions. Bring them to God. In verse 34, Mary asks the angel, 
How can this happen? I'm a virgin. So the angel is like Mary. God has favored you and, and you're going to bear the son of God. And Mary asked the question. She's freaked out and then asked the question, how can it happen? I'm a virgin. She doesn't like, well, I, I'm not allowed to question this. She did the natural thing. And somewhere today, we've been taught it's wrong to question. It's not wrong to question. It's wrong to let your questions be the deciding factor. Ask God your questions and then listen to what God says. That's what faith is, man. Bring your questions to God. Jesus, by the way, you remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he's about to give his life, the Bible says he asked the Father this question. If it's possible, if it's possible, take this from me. But then he says this, not my will, your will be done. In other words, he brings his questions to God. And we all have questions. We can't always figure out why things are happening the way they're happening and what's going on. It's okay to have questions. God is not freaked out by your questions. I actually think you're showing faith when you bring your questions to God rather than to have your questions in your head and never speak to God about your questions. God loves to answer questions. God loves to help you understand why. Now look, faith sometimes is that even if God tells you why, you may not understand it, but just like what Jesus said, if it's possible, take it from me, but not my will, your will be done. I'll surrender to you. Here's the third one. I just think, man, it's, it's right here in the story. Listen to this. This one's important. This is one that I've learned. So I'm in, this is my 35th year of pastoring. Um, so I'm about to turn 57. There's a little bit of experience and what I'm about to say. So listen, listen real carefully. Accepting God's purpose for your life is a key to find joy and find happiness. If you knew how many people I know personally who want to serve God but cannot accept God's will for their life, it puts them in such an unhappy position. And a lot of times, I think that God wants to give you exactly what's in your heart, but the way he goes about that is not always the way that you would go about that. Sometimes to build things inside of you or to get you to uh, be able to understand certain things or to have the character to be able to withstand the blessing of getting the desires of your heart means that the way God goes about something, the, 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 the sacrifice that he might want from you, Many people reject that and then they're fighting God, not intentionally, but they're fighting God because they will not surrender to God's purpose for their life. So Mary's response, look at this. The angel comes, blessed are you. You found favor with God. The Holy Spirit's gonna overshadow you. You are going to be the mother of God. How can this be possible? I'm a virgin. The angel says to Mary, with God, all things are possible. But this statement right here, after all of that happens, here's Mary's answer to God's purpose. I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. If we would say those simple words to God, whatever you want is okay with me. That's modern vernacular. If that's what you said, then I say yes. If this is what you want me to do, I agree with you. If we would just cooperate with what God wants in our life, life would be so much easier. And the joy that you want and the life that you're asking for, listen to me. The life that you want is on the other side 
of surrendering to God's purpose for your life. And as long as we are fighting God's purpose for our life, I know so many people who are so full of angst and so full of just striving. They're constantly striving. And I know this about striving. Do it long enough and you'll be a worn out person, an unhappy person. And then you have that conflict where you're divided against yourself. You love God and you call him the Lord of your life, but you won't bow the knee and allow what he wants for your life to be the thing that you choose to. Accepting God's purpose for your life. Like for instance, if he has you in a position where you're serving right now, rather than being served, do it gladly. Knowing that God knows what he's doing and put him in control of your life. <laughs> it's, it's, a, <laughs> it's a parable to think back in my life of all the times I had to serve before ever being allowed to be in a position of authority. In fact, it's a scriptural principle that to have authority, you've got to be under authority. And so many people wrestle with surrendering to God's life. Peace comes through surrendering uh, to God's will. So here's the second part of the story. It's found in the next chapter, Luke chapter two. And let me read this to you. At that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. Remember, Rome was the power that be and Israel was under the boot of Rome. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns in order to register for this census, just like the one we had this year. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go back to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled from there, from the village of Nazareth in Galilee, and he took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. Just real quickly, look at this story. It's so sanitized 2,000 years later. Here's this young girl, 13, 14, 15, pregnant. I, I, don't, uh, I, I know that not every woman has experienced birth, but for those of you who have, can you imagine being in labor and having to travel two days journey on a donkey, right? Getting ready to give birth, coming to the town. There's no hospital. There's no midwife. There's, there's no, no one has any knowledge. This this 14, 13, 15-year-old woman gave birth by herself. Can you imagine? <laughs> think of this story. It's so sanitized now. But think of this woman. Think of the character of this woman. Think of how difficult this situation was and what she was going through. That night there were shepherds staying in fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared amongst them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. And then listen to the message again, the exact same message. The angel reassured them, don't be afraid. So they're experiencing anxiety. They're, they're, this is not like anything that they're used to. And God knows it. And so the very first words that he has communicated is, don't be afraid. Be at peace. And then I love the rest of this story. Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will be a great joy to 
all people, not to Jewish people, not, not to North American people, not to African people, not to Asian people, not to Australians. This is good news to all people. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter what part of the earth that you're from. God loves all people equally and has good news for all people. I bring you good news that will be great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly the angels were joined by a vast host of other angels, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, listen to the message, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. So many people today are convinced that God is angry and upset and judging them. And, and God is, his message to all people is he loves you and he offers peace to you and he offers relationship to you. And over and over and over again, it's so clear in the Bible. And Jesus is the ultimate proof of God's love for you. So here's the last fill in the blank, right? It's just really simple. Good news from God. Verse 10 says, the angel reassured them. Remember, angel, the literal word is messenger. Angels are not allowed to ad lib. Angels are not allowed to just say whatever they want to say. Angels have to communicate exactly what the message is from God. So when these angels speak, they're speaking God's heart. And here's God's heart to mankind, right? <laughs> Peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Good news from God, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, I bring great joy to all people. I know this is kind of corny, it's kind of silly, but it's Merry Christmas, not Scary Christmas. Aren't you glad that God's message through the angels was not, get ready, here it comes, I'm wiping out mankind. Aren't you glad that the message was good news? I love you, I care for you, and I'm doing everything that I can to offer you the opportunity to be reconciled, man. The good news is great joy to all people. The literal name Jesus, Emmanuel, means God with us. The Bible says that he didn't consider heaven to be something to be held onto, grasped. Uh, he was willing to let go of all that he had, come to the earth, not even as a king and a, a mighty warrior. He came to the earth in the most humble of ways, a baby totally dependent on every human around him to take care of him. Can you imagine God who created it all, who has all power, willing to give it all up because it was necessary. The Bible says it was a man that caused sin to come into the world. Therefore, it took a man to redeem mankind from sin. That's what Jesus did. Maybe the most famous scripture, you see it at a football game, uh, people quote, even people who don't believe know this scripture, John three sixteen and 17. This is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. The Christmas message, it's one more time. Sometimes we think if it was just bigger and flashier. And if it was just, if it was just wrapped up in a different package, everybody would want it. And I'm telling you, 
Sometimes the most significant gift and the very thing that you want is not about the trappings of how it looks on the outside. It's the gift on the inside. And the gift that we have during this time is that God loves us so much. And the proof of it is Jesus, that if you want peace with God and you want life with God, there's nothing that you have to do except to say to God, yes, I believe. And he offers you that peace, that love, <laughs> that life. It's the ultimate gift. Look, I know so many of us have become Christmas numb. We know all the trappings. I, we go through all the motions. For many of us, especially as you get older, you can't wait for Christmas to be over because it's stressful. And I'm trying to say, man, all the trappings are not what it's about. Come back to the real thing. that it's God's heart for you. We live in a time of such great anxiety and fear. God's message to you is to not be afraid. We live in a time where we wonder, where is God and what he's doing? And I think this is the reminder. God is for you. He's not against you. He is on your side and he loves you. And if there were any gift I could give you that money can't buy, it would be the realization that God cares for you. He knows your name. He knows what you like. The Bible says he knows how many hair on your head. He knows everything about you. And guess what? He likes you anyway. He favors you. And if there were one gift that I could give you this Christmas, it would be for you to know how God feels about you. Because if you knew that level of love, man, there's no way, there's no way you could walk away. And if I could remove all of the, all of the stuff that gets attributed to God and who God is and what God is and move it out of the way so you saw the simplicity. God loves you and he cares for you and his heart is turned towards you. That would be the gift that I would give you. So I want you to pray with me right now and I wanna offer that opportunity to you. Look, just like Joshua, when he stood in front of the people said, choose this day. It is a choice. Jesus died for all people, but it's applied in our lives when we choose it. And what do you want to choose? So will you pray with me? Well, Father, I thank you for the opportunity just simply to, to tell people about you. And God, I know so many things get in the way of that message. Huh. Um, all of the traditions that they may be well-meaning, some of them nefarious, but all together, those things can get in the way of the simplicity of the fact that you love us and Jesus is the proof. You sent him in order to repair what was broken between us. So Father, I just asked the question on your behalf, as a messenger right now, not speaking of my own accord, but speaking your word right now. And I think you would say to people that you love them. I think you would say to them that you care for them. And I think that you would say to them that your plan and your purpose for their life are good things, not evil things, to bring them a future and to bring them a hope. And God, you offer to us the opportunity, choose this day, choose this day, choose joy, choose trust, choose blessing, don't choose death, don't choose fear, don't choose to turn your back, choose this day, the very thing, the very reason you were created to know God and be known by him. If you say, Pastor John, I hear you. 
I hear what you're saying. I identify myself in that position of needing to choose God's life. What do I do? Literally, there's no formula here. There's no religious response here. You don't have to join a church. You and I may never lay eyes on each other again. But in this one moment, it's to choose. Choose this day whom you will serve. If you say, Pastor, I want God. I choose God. I choose life. I choose his plan. I choose his purpose. Then that right there is exactly what you say. God, I choose you. I want you. God, I need your grace. I need your mercy. I need your love. There's no right or wrong way to say it, but it is necessary to say it. God, I choose you. And maybe, maybe all of those things have been settled in your life a long time ago. Maybe the fact that this weekend you're even listening to this message is because you agree with all of these things and you know God's goodness. But can I talk just just this one thing that I felt was so important. We live in such an anxious, anxious time. And when anxiety takes over our life, when fear becomes a companion, you cannot have joy and fear at the same time. One pushes the other out. If you find yourself so full of anxiety, so afraid of what the future is going to bring, so unsure as we look over the edge of 2021 and wonder what's going to happen next, rather than going, God, I know you're in control and whatever you're doing, I'm with you. So if you've settled the issue of who's Lord in your life, but you're struggling with that anxiety, that fear thing, I invite you today, choose joy, trust God, put it back in his hands. He offers the great exchange. Give me your burden and I'll give you my life. And I invite you today, man, make that choice. Push fear out, choose, choose joy. The message is simple. (laughs) I bring you good news of great joy for all people. (laughs) I bless you. Thank you for listening to me. I pray you have a Merry Christmas. One last thing. Uh, On the 25th and the 26th this weekend, we'll be doing live services. I want to invite you there. I look forward to it. I'm going to be sharing what God's doing in 2021. It's exciting because we're talking about buildings. We're talking about teaching and training centers. We're talking about things that have been in my heart and in the air for several years that are coming now to a crystallization. I'll see you this weekend. 